Welcome to the Run Run Live 4.0 podcast, where we plumb the daily adventure of endurance sports. Let us seize this precious moment together and squeeze the life from it like a golden lemon sent to us fresh today from the emissaries of the gods. Terribly happy guy Then he ate a moldy pumpkin pie Then he thought that he just couldn't die So Ned, he laughed so hard and made him cry Made him Hello and welcome to episode 4-429 of the Run Run Live podcast. How's everyone doing? I'm really busy. I'm just about four months into this new job and I'm at that point, even if you discount all the other weirdness that's going on, I'm at that point where I'm expected to be productive, but still don't really know anything. So it's... uh, you know, there's a little bit of friction for me as I get up to speed. But hey, I'm lucky. I got a job, right? I got stuff to do. So that's fun. And I'm learning stuff. So today we have a fun show for you. Rachel, my long-term friend and nutrition coach, Rachel and I talk about poop. So yeah, she wanted to talk about poop. And who am I to argue? And my inner nine-year-old enjoyed it immensely. I wasn't sure how it would come out, so to speak, but... My editor in Moscow, Dmitri, said he enjoyed it. So, And apparently that means that Dmitri survived his holiday, which is also a good thing. So this week, last night as a matter of fact, I finished reading The Princess Bride into audio and video. Yeah. So you will find a post with all the recordings on my website if you're interested, or maybe your kids are. It's an interesting thing. I had never read the book before. And I now appreciate the movie more than ever. You know, most of the time when you hear that someone has has decided to make a movie out of one of your favorite books, right? You just know they're going to screw it up because the movie can never be as good as the book. And most of the time they do. But in this case, I think that the movie was actually better than the book. Now, the, the movie grabbed all the good bits out of the book. And it lifted dialogue verbatim, did a really good job lifting the dialogue. And it really does the story justice. While treading lightly around the story within a story about a story metaphor that the author seems to delight so much in, in the book. And there are whole extra chapters in the book that add no value, which I skipped personally when I was reading it out loud. So anyhow, the movie does a great job, though, with the casting from the vacuous princess to Andre the Giant as Fezzik, great choices. Really fits those characters from the book. And the movie walks that line between story and parody very adroitly. 
So I have a new found respect for that movie. I'll have to go back and watch it again. Maybe it's on Netflix or Prime. But you know the rule, right? The rule is, if you really want to watch it, it's not on Netflix. And it took me 19 sessions of, what, 15 to 30 minutes to get through the book. Call that, you know, roundly about eight hours. Certainly, you, you, my friend, you have eight hours to read to your kids in a month. Or somebody's kids, right? Build some lasting memories. I have such great memories of reading The Hobbit to my kids when they were little. And they were really little. Like, Teresa was probably two or three. And there's some tough language in that book. I mean, the 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 movie, does, that's another one where the movie did the book justice. That, that They did a good job with that. Not The Hobbit so much, but The Lord of the Rings they did a great job with. They still talk about that now to this day, 20 years, 30 years later, so... So my training's going fine, but we'll talk about that, more, more about that later. Uh, in section one, we're going to talk about new ways to think about hills, hill work. And in section two, even though I was ready to abandon the old man to the apocalypse, I will continue that story after much prodding from all of you. So thank you for prodding me into writing another apocalypse story and continuing that universe. I was just going to run away, but now you guys won't let me, so I'll keep going. And I am well, and my family is well. And one thing was, I was getting quite plump when Rachel and I spoke. And I hadn't planned on it, but was sort of inspired by our, our conversation. It came together, and I decided to take the reins back on my nutrition. I got to the point where I was doing stuff I'd never do, like eating two big bowls of ice cream every night or drinking a beer every night, right? And I had a noticeable belly roll growing around my middle and my clothes were starting to complain. So I'm a week into it and I have dropped five pounds and I feel better. I am working with Rachel and the best thing she does for me is to give me dinner recipes and I've been cooking almost every night. It's kind of fun. I usually post a picture on social media if you want to play along and look at my creations. And I know the question that you're all thinking in the back of your mind, how is Ollie Wally? Ollie Wally the Collie. Well, he's a tank. He is. He's built like a fire plug. Amazing athlete that dog is. Just about a year old. Coming up on a year old. I was going to write a uh, children's book series about him. You know, Ollie Wally the Collie knocks little Billy down and bites him till he bleeds, you know. And the whimsical Ollie Wally the Collie rolls in horse poop, eats it, and throws up in little Billy's bed. Or the charming Ollie Wally the Collie shreds Billy's homework. Yeah, for real, really. <laughs> and eats it. On with the show. It is when we learn to leave our comfort zone that we find ourselves communing with our inner strength. Okay, let's talk about hills again. You might hear a hooty owl out behind my house. There's a hooty owl hunting in the woods. Probably won't hear that, though. This is a directional mic. More than just a hard workout. So we have talked about hill workouts before but usually in the context of conditioning as, as a workout. Today we're going to put a 
put it into a uh, different context. We're going to put a different context around hill workouts. We will cover why hills are a good alternative for we older folks as a form of prophylactic speed work. We'll cover where and how to position these hill workouts in your training cycles. And finally, and maybe most importantly, we'll put hill work into the context of a practice rather than a workout. As always, I'm not a certified coach of any kind, and I learned by doing an experiment of one. My coach, Jeff, Jeff Klein, helped me reposition hill workouts in my training in this way, and I owe a lot of this learning not only to my own practice, but to his influence. So I'll drop a, a link to his sites and his training stuff and his book on this uh, in this post as well, if you want to go grab it. When I first started training seriously for races, I adopted the practice of hill training as part of my race-specific training. If I had a hilly race or a race with a hill or two in it, I would add hard quarter-to-half-mile hill charges into the final weeks before the race as a race-specific hard-speed workout. And my theory was, when I got to that hill in the race, I wanted to feel strong for it. I wanted to run those hill repeats hard, hard now in training so I'd have the muscle memory to make them feel easy in the race. And that's a perfectly valid way to use hills in training as a hard workout. But as I've gotten older, I've moved away from these max effort hill workouts because they're really hard on your body. And they don't fit well into the volume and intensity of the training I'm doing now. I still do hill work, but it's for a different purpose. I don't do them at max effort to exhaustion. I'm focusing more on form than conditioning. And when you treat the hill this way, it's still a great tempo workout. You know, So what's the difference? There's a slight difference here. Before, when I ran the hill repeat, I'd be at max effort. So max heart rate and totally redlined in the last third of the hill. When I got to the top, I'd be bent over, gasping for air, close to death, right? And my form would be really awful in those last 50 meters as I beat myself struggling to finish that repeat. When I run a hill now, I'm focused primarily on maintaining perfect form for the whole effort. If my form starts to get ragged, I slow down. So I run them at an 80 to 85% effort level. When I get to the top, I'm still close to max heart rate, but just as I get there, not during the workout. During the workout, I'm running with good form and a reasonable effort. So this is far less damaging on my body, and it gets the same, if not better, results. Because now I'm not just stressing my legs and cardio, I'm practicing hill running. And this is important. In an actual race, you never have the need to push at 100% up or down a hill. You do have the need to run efficiently through hills. And I made this mistake when I was running the mountain race series many years ago. I trained by doing hill charges like I always had. And this training I found in the races was useless because there's no place in a six-mile mountain climb that you're going to be running at max and using that form. It's just stupid. So this lower effort form of hill work is a great way to bring some speed work into your training without going to the track. 
and uphill running also forces you to stop heel striking. It's really good for form practice. So where does this fall into the training cycle? Really in two places. If you look at like an 18-week marathon cycle, a typical marathon cycle, you typically break that up into three phases. And the first phase is base building and strength. The second starts to ramp up, and the third phase is where you're high volume, high intensity, race specific. And you can drop these easier hill tempo runs into any of these phases. In the beginning, they'll be shorter, maybe 60 seconds and a little bit easier. And as you build into the training, they'll move to two or three minutes in length, and you work up to 10 to 15 reps of these, right? It's a great workout. The way you approach these is to go into the hill at your, for me, it's like my marathon pace. So it's not all out. It's like sort of a, a nice, strong pace. And I hold that pace. It should feel hard, but with perfect form. And as you get into the last third of that repeat, you accelerate a bit and you take the effort level up to 80, 85%. Again, focusing on perfect form. You won't have to push in the last third because the hill will bring that effort to you. It gets hard to hold 80, 85% towards the top. And you'll feel it, but your form never breaks. If your form breaks, you went too hard. If your form breaks, you stop. So there's an art to form on hills. Uphill running form is actually easier than downhill running form. When you run uphill, you maintain that good running form, same as you would on flat ground. You run upright, not leaning forward into the hill, push those hips forward, lift those knees a bit, and have a nice, rapid, quick, light cadence landing on the forefoot, hands high and light, head up, eyes looking into the hill, not at your feet, not at the top of the hill, into the hill. That's your uphill form. Pretty simple. Downhill is a little bit trickier. You'll naturally feel like having your feet land out in front of you to slow you down. Downhill form is the same basic principle. You keep your center of gravity directly under you, Don't lean back. Don't lean forward. Try to still land on your forefoot and don't fight the hill. So it's easier to hold that good form if you can shift your body mass back without leaning back. And tricks to do this are, first, you push your elbows back, hold your elbows up high back, and two, butt kick your heels back a little bit. And this will shift your mass enough that you don't have to break as much. This is where your hill work becomes practice rather than a discrete workout. This is also how you can use hill practice in your regular runs or long runs. When you run a course with some big hills or some rolling hills, each of those ups and downs and rollers is a place to practice this easy, efficient hill form. And now for today's featured interview. So I get an email from you out of the blue that says, we should talk about poop. (laughs) And uh, me being mostly a 10-year-old boy said, yeah. I felt like, hasn't every runner at some point on a run with their running companion or group or something, has poop not been a discussion for you guys at least one point? 
No, runners and triathletes as well, especially trail runners, bodily fluids. <laughs> we talk about bodily fluids more than new mother. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's definitely a, a topic that gets covered. So I thought, hey, let's talk about this and um, maybe help some people improve their health too while we're doing it. So let's reel it back a little bit. Give us the 200 words on who you are and what you do for people who may not have listened to one of our previous conversations. Oh, sure. Okay. So I am Rachel Shuck and I run Next Level Nutrition, which is basically a work with athletes. We dial in their nutrition, get them uh, kind of down to either their optimal weight or just their optimal health, get them race day ready. And then I also teach nutrition at the local college here. So I'm all about all things nutrition to help athletes perform better. It's kind of my thing. Yeah. We met through my coach, Jeff, who uh, at a uh, a race out in Utah, we met in flesh. Yes, correct. Actually, I think I think that was Pocatello. Was that? Yeah, Pocatello. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. yeah that's, Idaho, that's Idaho. Idaho. It, Idaho, it looks Utah. really similar to Utah in certain it's parts. It's all the same. Yeah. <laughs> you get past 128, and then there's this whole blank section until you hit LA. <laughs> it's kind of true. It's beautiful out there. Beautiful. We're just kidding, yeah. all you Midwesterners. <laughs> we're just kidding. So you might hear my dog bark at disagreement stick. Oh, well, I hope my, he's showing it his dog. boss. My I new know. Dog. I yeah. saw. Is it? Ollie? Is that your new dog? Ollie, Ollie yeah. the Ollie. Yeah. He's, he's mental. I love it. We uh yeah. we just our border collie mix just passed away and she was like the best dog ever. So yeah. I see why you went back to that kind of a they're so good. <laughs> if I can get him on the same page, it'll be a great dog. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. There's yeah, that. I won't give up. So anyhow, okay. let's talk about poop. Okay, so <laughs> let's do it. Let's talk about feces and poop and stools. And I don't know what other word we can come up with it. But um, yeah, so I thought it would be really good to talk about it because basically – at the end of the day, if we want to have great athletic performance, we've got to have optimal nutrition yep. so that we can recover from the training stress that we're putting on our bodies. And most of our nutrients are absorbed in our small intestine and then some in our large intestine. So it all comes down to, at the end of the day, it comes down to poop, right? Yeah. And I suppose it's uh, one of those indicators too, right? You don't really get a lot of windows into what's going on inside your body, but uh, what's coming out, one of the black backtrack into the black box. A hundred percent. That is actually exactly where I wanted to head with this. So yeah, I mean, we can diagnose what's coming out and decide what we need to put in, what we need to change. All right. Um, I, I feel like yeah. there's some categorization and description going to happen. So yeah, so, for sure. So, yeah. So tell us the symptoms that we can, I mean, there's some obvious, right? We've got uh, diarrhea or you're constipated, something something could be going on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's also... Well, there's a lot of things. So let me just kind of tell you what yeah, I... Yeah, sure. You're on the right track for sure. So there's color, there's shape, and then there's frequency. And then we have some other physical attributes that kind of don't quite fall in those lists, but are still important and can like give us some ideas. So what do you want to start with? Color, shape, frequency? <laughs> Where do you want to go with this? <laughs> yeah, so go ahead. Just just walk through it. But remember, you got to go with the why do we care part, right? Yeah, and so the why do we care part, this is so important. It's because we are getting our nutrients from our food and we're absorbing our nutrients in mostly in our small intestine and then, of course, our large intestine. Those things are crucial for energy metabolism, which that's very important for us as athletes. Nerve function, immune system, bone and muscle growth repair, all these things are going to play into how well your training goes. And we also have to remember, if we're keeping an eye on what comes out of our gut, a healthy gut's going to have us 
make sure we have reduced inflammation, we have better nutrient absorption. 70 to 80% of your system is in your gut, your mood, your serotonin is made in your gut. So all these things kind of add up to like, if you want to be a better athlete, you need all of these things to be working top notch. There's a correlation between fiber mm-hmm. and everything every other health indicator. And fiber fiber is one of those things you can tell by the sort of uh, outcome. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Fiber is a miracle worker of sorts. It does all kinds of cool, important things for the body. So yes, and the outcome can help us decide if we need more fiber in our diets. Yeah. So what are things to look for? Like top five? Let's start by doing it if categories. So first start with color because it's very easy to be in the correct range as far as like, okay, I should either have brown stools or maybe greenish stools. In those two color ranges, it's good. You're normal. If it's greenish, you're probably eating a lot of green vegetables to give it that color and that's fine. Now, if you're getting reddish colored stools, for a lot of people that are racing or race getting race ready, they might be consuming beets. And honestly, if that's why, then you're fine. Because some people freak out when they start eating. So they're like, oh my God. Yeah. My stools, right? Yeah. But one thing to keep an eye on is if you continue eating beets and you continue having those issues, it could be an indication of an iron deficiency. It's actually mm-hmm. called beet urea. You might have like uh, not in your stools, but in your urine, it might yeah. stay pink. Continue to stay pink. And the real big problem though is if you have reddish colored stools and stools, and it's not from that, then there might be yeah. some internal bleeding. So you really want to get that checked out. Yeah. 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 So that's a really that's a bad thing. Blood in the yeah. stool is a yeah, very yeah. bad That's thing. That's always like, go go see your doctor for sure. But if it's because your beets and the color still hasn't changed, you might want to add some more iron rich to your diet. You could do that through spinach or blackstrap molasses or something like that. Kind of along that same vein, if your stools are black, again, could be really alarming possible sign of internal bleeding could also be you're taking an iron supplement or maybe you're eating blueberries or black licorice or Pepto-Bismol. Those things can also cause that color. So we've got brown and green are good, black and red, possible sign for alarm. And then we've we've got some other colors, the yellowish color and the clayish color, which can be, so let's say if it's yellowish, that can be a warning sign that your body is not digesting fats well. So you might be efficient in essential fatty acids. I would recommend for that. It's kind of odd because the fix for this is often eat more fatty foods if you're not breaking down fat. But a lot of times those fatty foods will have digestive enzymes in, in them that break down fat. So like avocado. Yeah, yeah. I eat a lot of avocados. That's fantastic. I love it. Good. But um, the other thing, if you're eating animal fat, that also gives you poops that float. If you are not digesting it well or you're too much, that is true. Yes. And that is, I have poops that float under my other physical properties, but you are correct about that. Okay. Keep going. Uh, yeah. Good job. Good job. Look at you. <laughs> and then of course, I will say again, when their colors are off, they can also be indicative of like a bigger problem. Maybe celiac disease if you're not absorbing nutrients correctly. But always start with, well, what did I eat? Right. Because, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of one of those things you want to look over the long term, right? Absolutely. Because, right. Because what you ate last night is going to uh, cause what happens the next morning. But over the long term, you can look for these traits, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. They say there are stargazers and there are stool gazers. And um, you might be better off looking at your saying. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then um, just the one last color kind of along with the yellowish is the clayish colored, which again goes back to possible lack of bile production or maybe a bile blockage. So 
again, looking at it long term, thinking about what you're eating, how you're eating. You just want to help increase bile production. You can eat foods like, you can tell I'm a huge fan of beets, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beet, celery, daikon radish. Wow. Chris, was that you that you made daikon radish fries and they didn't turn out so good? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I didn't like the daikon though. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's fair. It's not for everybody. Yeah. There's right. other things you could do to garlic, horseradish, lemons, limes, that kind of stuff. But so, uh, yeah. so clay colored is like a very light brown, yellowish brown. Is yeah. A yellowish, a yellowish grayish color. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. And again, like you said, long term, if it's one time, I'm like, well, I'm not, I would just keep an eye on it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. 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 So that has all the colors. Let's talk about the shape of those stools. Yeah. Sound good? Okay. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. So there's this thing called the Bristol stool chart. Um, And obviously this is a podcast, so people can't see it, but they could look it up and it will have pictures and it'll show kind of everything you talked about from the beginning when you said, obviously if there's constipation, so on the first thing on the chart, there'll be like little rabbit looking pellets, right? First thing to fixing that fiber and water. For some people, they could add a magnesium supplement and maybe some milk thistle to help like magnesium supplements, certain forms have kind of a laxative effect and milk thistle is really good for supporting the liver. Mm -hmm. If they need ideas for fiber, obviously like psyllium husk is where a lot of people start as far as um, just a supplement. But if you're wanting food, which I always recommend is food, fruits and vegetables are your friends, ground flax seeds, chia seeds, those things going to get things moving. So that's number one on the chart. There are seven on the chart. Number two is mild constipation. Same status, right? You need more fibrous foods. You need water, possibly a magnesium supplement. One thing about water is I did read in one of my nutritional textbooks that if you drink a carbonated water, that is supposed to help Hmm. relieve constipation more. I have yet known that I haven't done more research on it, but just know that that information is out there. So sparkling water might help. And then next on the charts are numbers three and four. So those are going to be solid, kind of look like a sausage or, or maybe with a few cracks or maybe something smooth and soft. But one thing, looking a normal shape, those are your good, healthy bowel movement. And then we get to five, six, and seven. So five is kind of soft blobs with the clear cut edges. So again, I mean, you probably guessed it by now, add more fibrous foods. I would also recommend adding prebiotic and probiotic rich foods. And I know we've done some stuff with probiotic rich foods. So do you have a favorite one that you like to eat? In general, I don't like the dairy-based ones. I like some of the deli case ones, you know, like mm. the, uh, the coleslaw and the kim. Some of the kimchi's are good, although they get old fast. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll use kimchi as a salad dressing sometimes. Really? Um, so you just... in, yeah, in my big kale or chard or whatever I'm eating this mm-hmm. week, I'll throw in a, a couple of scoops of kimchi in there and mix it up because it's mostly just vinegar. Um, so. Well, your kimchi, if they've done it right, it should just be water and salt, for vegetables fermented in so, water and salt. Sorry, it tastes like vinegar. Oh, really. yeah. Okay, that's fair. Sure. So it's yeah, got yeah, the yeah, same yeah. sort of effect as uh, salad. Yeah. Yeah. The, the same with the other stuff. Like the sauerkraut and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, the sauerkraut. I tried the dairy type products like the kefirs and all that stuff. And I'm not big on dairy. So, Well, and the problem with a lot of the dairy products, regardless of how you feel of dairy, is most of them, even after the like fermentation process, have added sugars to them that I, yeah. you don't necessarily need. So yeah, people could do things like instead of regular kefir, you can do water kefir, but 
it's hard to find and you have to make your own and it's a process. Yeah. And the other thing that I will do in the summertime is I'm picking vegetables out of my garden and that has a lot of probiotics in it, right? You're getting the dirt and the bugs. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, you are getting some stuff. Yeah, that's true. You're definitely getting some microorganisms from that. Speaking of that, with the probiotics, eating a lot of those fruits and vegetables, they are prebiotic food. So if you think about a probiotic being the pet, your prebiotic is like the pet. So you got to have both. Right. Yeah, that's what they like to eat. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yep. 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 And the other thing is um, I've gone a good probably four or five years now without having to have a course of antibiotics. So uh, I think my gut's in a good place, right? You probably have a pretty good immune system going on because it's getting well fed in your gut. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That would make sense. So the other two consistees on this chart, if we go back to that, are mild di- diarrhea. So again, and diarrhea, either one can be due to Every person that's getting ready to run a race has maybe noticed some loose stools, and that can be just from stress. So Mm -hmm. that can make transit time a little bit too fast. And the other thing is, if it's not from the flu or food poisoning or some type of temporary situation, you need to also maybe look at what supplements you're taking. Vitamin C Mm. is great, but if you're taking too much you might end up with loose stools if you're taking yeah. like a magnesium oxide and you, maybe it's not getting very well absorbed. So those kinds of things too. But if you're having, oh, you know, well, what else you'd probably think about too is um, sugary beverages because, yeah. because we don't even think about like, oh, 100% fruit juice. Like, well, that's fine. But your body has to try to dilute that sugar by pulling water from the bloodstream into the intestine. And so then you end up with stools. So those are some things that might not be cause for alarm change, but if you're having them all the time, then that could be like you're lactose intolerant. Maybe you're gluten sensitive. That's another thing that leads to people blowing up in races. Um, <laughs> using the term blowing up uh, <laughs> rather figure of appropriately there, um, is, is they start pounding gels, Gatorade, all that, yes. sugar, all that sugar speeds you up. Yeah, yeah. You should always train with whatever gels you think you're going to use on race day because you need to know how your GI tract is going to respond to that because it is a lot of sugar. Yeah, for sure. So if you do have diarrhea all the time, that, that's a problem because that means you aren't getting absorbed. And then, of course, if your nutrients aren't getting absorbed, you're going to have all kinds of other problems that come along with fishing. But for most runners, it is a matter of just making the right choice. So, yep, yep, yep. That covers size and shape. Yeah. We're like, we're doing awesome here. So there's just a couple other things, physical properties that we didn't really talk about yet, other than size and shape, and then frequency. So mm-hmm. where do you want to roll with this one? Why aren't size and shape and texture a physical property? What's different? Well, so we have size and shape, but then we also have things like greasy. So mm. if you're flushing and you notice you're getting like the skid marks, that, that can tell you, hey, your liver probably needs some help. Mm. So you need to do things like eliminate alcohol. I know this is going to blow your mind. Fresh fruits and vegetables. <laughs> Almost always solution, right? Yeah. And you can do other things like sprinkle flax on your foods. That's also good for your liver. Milk thistle is good for your liver. So there are some things other than size and shape. Like I said, greasy stools is one. Foul smelling is another. Now, granted, within a reason, but if you notice that it's often and particularly strong, then that's probably a sign your food is sitting in your 
digestive tract too long. And you might want to add high in digestive enzyme like pineapple, mango. I think we talked about avocado already. And that will help break the food down and um, give it a little bit quicker transit time. Yeah, it's two things, right? It's Especially if you've been monkeying with your biome antibiotics recently or, mm-hmm. or any any other kind of prescription drugs recently, you can lose your ability to digest certain Oh, yeah. And it creates different gases that you may not like. Yeah. So there's that. And there's also different foods that create different gases, right? So that sulfur smell, that rotten egg smell, that's from breaking out protein. That's why you get that from beans because they're full of that kind of protein. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think isn't that a thing like people call them protein farts or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, just the different things you feed your body, the different ways it's going to affect it. And um, yes, you brought up a good point about antibiotics and medications. They'll affect your digestion and that affects what you can absorb. So like, for example, metformin, you know, you're not going to absorb B12 as well if you're taking that. So that's something to think about because that's part of your digestive system, part of your digestive tract, everything going on down there. All right. Yeah. So some other physical properties. We talked about floating, right? Work on bile flow. Thin and shreddy, which is kind of the same, that goes along with constipation, fiber, water. And then food in your stool, which oftentimes, if you have like corn, that's pretty normal. It's just not very digestible. Yeah. But if you're noting other food substances in your stools, your digestive system is either or you're not chewing your food super thoroughly. Our stomach is great and can break down lots of things and it has hydrochloric acid and all stuff, but it doesn't have teeth. So chewing is good. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. And yeah, some foods, foods that have a lot of cellulose in them, corn, because it has that cellulose shell, your the enzyme body can't can't read that. Yeah, thing. we just aren't designed exactly. Right. Yeah. So so there's a lot of grasses that have that cellulose that you might see don't completely get broken down. Um, and uh, what are some of the other high cellulose stuff? Some of the nuts are that way as well. Yeah, I, off the top of my head, I mean, I would have to look at a list, but yeah. yes, I mean, if you're occasionally seeing food and it's something that you go, oh, well, yeah, that's kind of like corn. Don't worry about it. But if you're seeing it often, right, right. something's going on. Yeah, yeah, for and, sure. And, if, and what about if it hurts? Well, then there's a problem. <laughs> and I mean, and that could be so many different things because you're looking at from, do you have internal bleeding going on? Do you have just straight up constipation? You got a case of hemorrhoids? Like, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but if you're eating fibrous foods and drinking lots of water, hopefully you avoid all of those problems, especially things like diverticulitis and those kinds of things. Um, all right. So keeping so we're, things moving. So, so we're running long here. Let's talk about frequency. Okay. So frequency, Let's, this one I can do pretty quickly. But it's tough because depending on what kind of day you're having, you may eat once or five times, you know? Yeah. Well, and so that's true. So there's just some kind of basic guidelines. So if you're going basically one to three times a day, and everything else about your stools is normal, like the shape and the size and all that, you are probably fine, right? If yeah. you're going more than three times a day and some other those other indicators are off, then you probably need to be thinking about like, do I have an infection? Do I have IBS? Do I have Crohn's, celiacs? Like there's something that's throwing your system off and it needs to be fixed. Now, again, that goes back to you just have the flu, well, then it will correct on its own. Or if you just are kind of inconsistent, then maybe try adding more fiber-rich foods to your diet and see sort of what it does because fiber slows down digestion and that gives your body more time to absorb the nutrients that are passing through it. 
So one to three, generally okay. If you're not going at all, like we already talked about, that's a real problem. Back to the whole like water, fiber, nutrient-dense vegetables that are full of fiber, like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale. So that's if you're not going at all. And if you're going too much, then we know we've got a problem on the other end. And that is pretty much it. So, I mean, I think if you wanted to sum this up is water, fiber-rich, prebiotic, probiotic-rich foods. And for most people, digestion will stay on track. Yeah. And you're just looking for, don't ignore things out of the ordinary. This is for, we're talking to men here who uh, won't go to the doctor. I have friends who have ignored blood in their stool for months. Oh, oh, and, yeah. and of course, you know where that ends, right? Yeah, that is not good. It's another one of those things. You, you wear a heart monitor, you look at your heart rate, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just one more set of data for you to... Set of data, right, mm-hmm. exactly. And you have to look at it over the, the long term, what I would say, because you look for trends, not I had a half a bag of those. Let's say you had a half a bag of potato chips last night and you're a little funky today. That's just a, that's, <laughs> that's, that's an fat. event, right? That's yeah. not a trend, that's an event. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, actually kind of when you say that, the good thing about looking at all that stuff is when you do that, you start going, I'm not going to eat half a bag of potato chips because I know what's going to happen in the morning. <laughs> right, so yeah. there's, uh, you look over the long term, I think. Another yeah. set of data, but all yeah. this stuff is out there, right? Yep, yep. So okay. you can source this uh, material. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll give some links to this. Okay. That sounds good. All right. So what else? What have we learned today? Mm, what have we learned today, Chris? That can do what? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> what if your biome's all, you know that you're messed up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you had a course of antibiotics. You had a bad flu. You know, you know you're out of balance. What do you do? How do you bring it back? So this is where normally I try to stick with food because I just think that's food is the foundation. But for in cases like that, where I mean, you did have a round of antibiotics, well, then a little bit more aggressive approach is good. And um, I always recommend to people to go find some kind of heavy duty probiotic supplement, maybe just take it five to seven days, sort of try to start get things back on track. Yeah. And then give it something to eat as well, right? Uh, Yes, absolutely. You got to take the probiotic supplements, but you got to feed it those good prebiotics. Right. So we're talking fruit and vegetables. And when Mm -hmm. we say vegetables, nuts, seeds, yep. And vegetables are the... Yeah. Look for stuff that's different colors. Right? Yeah, eat a rainbow of uh, colors. I don't think that's new to anyone. I'm sure we've been hearing that for a while now. Yep. Yeah. There you go. So we'll all be healthy. Yeah, so I might need your help in the next couple of months. We'll have to talk. <laughs> okay, well, you just let me know because I, uh, I feel like last time we worked together, you've been through this and you know exactly what to do. My job was so easy. It was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> well, I was but down, I liked it. <laughs> I was down pretty light for boss down set. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I almost got to the point where it started to feel a little light, but I don't mm. know if that, it's just because I've always been at a different set point. It just felt different. Or so it's interesting. Well, and I like people to get to something that's a little bit, I mean, that's maintainable. Right. Yeah. Uh, maintainable if they're not drinking beer. <laughs> well, geez, there. That's, that's, that's so good. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll let you go. Thanks for the poop show. All right. It was good talking to you. And send me any new links you have. Uh, okay. I'll put something on my website and I'll shoot it out there for you. And a good picture after you comb your hair. Oh, fair enough. All right. All right. That sounds good. All right. <laughs> All Cheers. right. Talk yeah. to you later. Bye. Bye. Sometimes it takes a third party to tell us what we already know. Can't say I didn't warn you. 
This one's called Lions and Tigers and Emus. Oh my. Chapter 3, After the Apocalypse. It was a bumpy and uncomfortable ride, and the old man prattled on happily behind her like old people do, like your mom or grandma keeps an entire conversation going regardless of your actual involvement in it or not. Those interminable phone calls she used to avoid and dread. On the one hand, droning on and on about the flotsam and jetsam of an old person's life, but surfacing from the lily pads every once in a while to ask some prying or unanswerable question. He was on some long soliloquy on the impact of humanity on the natural flow of water and how that was now being reversed as rivers and streams were allowed to make up their own minds. At least her part in this was limited to an occasional exasperated sigh. She didn't think he was dangerous. Not directly dangerous to her, anyhow. She wasn't sure if he was crazy or not. But these days, they were all shades of crazy. Their minds were making up a new playbook as they went along. A couple million years of evolutionary imprint quickly washing away the patina of civilization. She was not quite sure of her own sanity, but, like everything else, had buried those concerns in the business of day-to-day -day survival. He had rigged up this contrived cart from spare parts at the dig site, some bicycle wheels and other bits and pieces. After he had cleaned her infected toe and treated as best he could, the verdict wasn't clear. He didn't know if he'd have to go in and take a more aggressive approach, but he recommended giving it a chance to avoid losing the offending digit. They'd wait and see. But she couldn't walk now. He wanted to keep moving. He bustled around the dig site, cackling to himself, after stating out loud, Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a bicycle mechanic. Whatever that meant. Eventually, he rigged up this cart with its hard axle, an extremely cramped and uncomfortable conveyance. They kept moving, down the gravel road, following the river westward towards the gulf. She probably could kill him and the dog any time she wanted to. She was strong and fast. She knew she was, but she was tired. Tired of the struggle. What was the point? When she was a lawyer in her power suits with her perfect family and perfect husband, she owned the world. The power of her life flowed through her and pulled people into her orbit just to feel a bit of buzz from the association. People were genuinely afraid of her every day. That was all gone. Her young family died in her townhouse with her in attendance. All her power could do nothing to save them. Why did it spare her? What did she do to get left behind? She was hollowed out, numb. After that, it was just a blur of bumping from one place to another as everyone and everything she ever knew dissolved into the chaos like a great sucking flood. Eventually, she ended up out here, out of the city, as far as the expensive black navigator took her before running out of gas. Then it was survival, survival day to day, learning how to get enough calories, learning how to navigate the brutality of those who were left. She took care of herself. They all underestimated her. 
She was no helpless kid in the wilderness. She was smart and athletic. When they took a moment to look at her, really look at her, they would see the broad shoulders and the twitch of lean bicep in her long arms. And by then it was probably too late for them. Bill the dog was lagging behind a few meters, having rolled in something dead. He was currently ostracized to the back of the pack when she saw the four large animals in the road ahead. What the fuck are those? Ostriches? She said. Hold up, for Christ's sake. The old man stopped his pushing and pulled a pair of glasses from his vest pocket, wrapped in chamois. He peered down the road curiously for a few seconds and corrected her. Emu. For emu. Ostriches are from Africa. Emus are from Australia. There are no large flightless birds in North America. There's the ray in South America and, of course, the terror bird, a nasty bit of work there, but they've been gone for a few million years. She looked at him, speechless, because she wanted to say, what the fuck are you talking about, you crazy bastard, but decided not to waste her breath as it might encourage him. Okay, Emus, ostriches, fucking big bird, what are they doing here? He scratched his beard, bits of dust circling like a weird halo. Dunno, what say we go find out, he smiled. Why don't you stay here and I'll go see? That's not going to happen, she said as she hoisted herself upright and gingerly began moving down the road with the help of an improvised crutch. He shrugged and followed. The emus seemed a bit skittish and retreated as they approached. Further up the road was an iron pipe gate with a sign that read Haley's Animal Park. The words were in circus font and bracketed by representations of emus, monkeys, lions, tigers, and other animals. The old man brightened. Hey, if they've got animals, then they might have antibiotics. Let's go. She held back. She hadn't survived this long, rushing into things. Wait she said in a tone that made people wait. What's the plan? Plan? Well, I suppose we go in and look for an admin building or something with a medical cabinet. What about the animals? She asked, nodding at the sign. I suppose they're mostly dead or escaped by now, right? We just take it slow and easy, and if we smell trouble, we leg it. He winced a bit, remembering her foot. I mean... There's two of us. If we find some antibiotics, we can we can help your foot. She nodded, but still looked pensive. The old man led the way, gingerly picking his way with as much stealth as possible down the entrance to the main park. She followed. Some cages were open. Some were still closed with the bones of whatever was left confined for eternity. They checked a few buildings. There were bones here, too, and not animal bones. Most of these buildings were retail or hospitality in nature and purpose, but towards the back was a barn-like structure that looked like what they were looking for. In the darkened office room, with its smattering of veterinary equipage, the old man was rummaging through drawers and cabinets, using a hammer to force some of them. He was squinting at pill bottles in the dim light. Damn it, he cursed under his breath. Can you read these labels? We're looking for Cipro, and started to spell it out for her, but stopped on receipt of a hellish glare. It was then that there was a roar. It was unmistakable. 
like the portent of an old movie about the heart of Africa itself, and it was close. They looked at each other with a look that exchanged a volume of critical understanding with zero words spoken. She indicated a couple of pill bottles that she stuffed quickly into a pocket on her hip, and they began to move to the door, but the sound of something heavy was there, blocking the way they had come. She motioned to the old man and jumped with her good foot up on a counter. He clumsily followed. The heavy noises were just outside the door now. She reached up and grabbed one of the open barn rafters and swung herself up just as the lion rounded the corner looking for brunch. The lion had a million years of evolutionary imperatives as well. Hunting monkeys was one of these. The old man couldn't reach the rafter. She swore and reached down a long arm, grabbed him, and swung him up as the beast circled and growled a few feet below. They made their way along the barn beam to an eave at the end of the building with the lion following them below. She pushed out an aluminum grating and managed with some effort to pull them both up onto the roof. The lion sat printing itself on a dirt mound, watching them on the roof as if to say, I've got all the time in the world. Well, that was something, the old man mused. No shit, Einstein, what now? She spit at the lion and leaned back to look up at the hazy southern sun. Cicadas squeaked their lazy violins. Hawks rode thermals over the river looking for fish. Two lost monkeys sat perched on a barn roof. Okay, now we're going to move you towards the exit, please. Well, my friends, when you gotta go, you gotta go, and we gotta go. And we went through the end of another Run Run Live podcast, episode 4-429. And, well, the woods behind my house continue to be a superhighway of the disaffected. I feel a bit violated. Last week, I looked out the window and there was a Shetland pony in my backyard, just passing through. And my wife just looked out the window and there was a woman walking through our backyard. And you remember, I'm up in the woods. I have woods on three sides of my yard. <laughs> as uh, Ollie and I left the trailhead uh, at the corner of my yard Friday afternoon, an official-type gentleman pointed at Ollie and said, New town law, all dogs have to be on leash. And the trees are all pinned with notices. And I thanked him, and we kept going the 20 feet to my driveway. Uh, maybe this is my Thoreau moment for a little civil disobedience. Buddy and I... We made these trails. I kind of feel like I've lost something. So anyhow, my race in June got canceled. That's it. Nothing to train for, except Boston in September. Boston in September. This means you'll be hitting the high-volume weeks of your training cycle in August, when it's very hot and humid. I don't know, man. Maybe it's time to take up golf. I did see there's another similar race to that tunnel marathon. Um, out in Washington in July. So maybe I'll run that instead. Same mildly downhill type of course on a dirt road, my kind of course. And I'm sure you all are fighting and surviving and working with the current situation. I know it's odd. I know it's scary sometimes. And I'm also sure you've been getting a lot of advice. Everybody loves giving advice in these things. 
And primarily the advice you need is, hey, take care of yourself, right? Especially take care of your mental health. You know, be choosy about what you let into your brain. Lay off the negative social media and and the news. Your brain's very much like a programmable computer, right? And what you allow in, what you put in, influences what you get out. So don't load it down with fear and anxiety. Stand guard. Be mindful. And remember the power of now. We talked about the power of now a lot. Don't get lost in worrying about things that could happen or might happen. You know, you can't control that. Focus on now. What do you have now? What can you do now? Be mindful. Make sure you're telling the right stories. I watch the local network news occasionally, and I had an odd thought tonight. As they were reading out body counts, I was reminded of how they used to read out the body counts on the nightly news during the Vietnam War. And yes, I'm that old. I was a kid at the time. And it was like the scores to a game. It was like they were reading out the scores to the, you know on the sports channel every night. The news in the nation at that time were sort of addicted to those numbers, and they lost sight of so much else. And it wasn't our finest hour. So be careful what you're letting into your mind. Focus on now. Do what you can to take care of yourself, and I will see you out there. And then he thought... That he just couldn't die So Ned, he laughed so hard it made him cry And our music tonight from Brian Sheff, the rock opera Track number seven called Joy Come on, come on, come on, come on, feel the joy. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, feel the joy. 